I travelled earlier this year to Ethiopia and the capital Addis Ababa, where I visited the Association for Women's Sanctuary and Development, a safe house for women and children, a place providing shelter. Women being traumatized and have so many problems. And you can see if you work on them, you can change their lives, you know. We have some women because they were hopeless, no family, nothing, and they thought it was the end of the world for them and nobody cares about them. Is this paid for me? Are you doing this for me? Is somebody concerned about me? That is our energizer to continue and work more and more. I set foot inside the safe house and was faced with lots of women going about their daily tasks, cooking, washing, dressing, some talking, some not talking, children laughing, children crying, children not doing very much at all. And I realised very quickly they were all at different stages of recovery, of rehabilitation. So who are the women and how do they find their way to the door that offers them shelter and safety? Police bring them to the head office, so we bring here, so they are uh, pregnant, so they are to start the follow-up and different services for here. They came today? Yeah, they just now. Yeah, just right now. Just now. Yeah. How old are they? 60. One they six. came together? Yep. Yeah. Do you know what happened to them? The police says they are raped, so they get pregnant, so the cases followed by the police, so they want to keep them here until they finish their cases. So they just arrived this morning, what will happen now over the next few days and weeks for them? They just arrived now, so we give the bath shower, then we took them to the health centre to start the antenatal cares, maybe any other diseases. There are over 120 women and children and far fewer beds, but they get by. After all, what's their alternative? I met with Sister Fanta Hoas, who works there. She's a senior counsellor and trained nurse specialising in psychological and social problems in victims of violence. And I asked her what kinds of abuse do the women suffer? D- different abuses like rape, uh, domestic violence, abandoned and battery and a lot of different abuses, but the higher number is rape. Why do they come here? They came here because they don't have any place to stay. Also, some of them have like uh, court cases. I think the only safe house in and this is this one to take this woman without without any age differences and without any violence differences. That's why all these government officials, some NGOs and justice officers refer them to here. That's women like we have from age 10, 11 and above. That means they might be raped, abandoned or something like that. But we have also small children who delivered here. And some of them came with their mothers. So you're telling me that they are children that have come here that need support, that they may have been abused? 
or raped. Some are here with their mothers, but some may be here on their own. Yeah, for example, like 10 years, they came by themselves because they were raped or abandoned or battery. So from all age groups. So where are their family, the 10-year-old children? What's their situation? Maybe their parents are outside of Addis. They came here to live with their some relations or they came here to work and support their families and support themselves or they came here for some people said I will give I will support by their education and they brought them here and then these things happened to them and they came here uh, most of our survivor came but they born in outside of Addis and they came here even the bigger ones I mean they came here to uh, work and to improve their lifestyles to work and improve their lives but sadly too many end up victims at the mercy of their carers or homeless living on the streets and vulnerable according to the american psychological association women living in poverty are particularly at risk to violence and abuse but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen anywhere to anyone anytime the world health organization states recent global prevalence figures indicate that 35 percent of women worldwide have experienced either intimate partner violence or non-partner sexual violence in their lifetime I asked Sister Fanta, for the women there, once they find sanctuary within ASWAD, how long do they stay and what's the rehabilitation process? The women stay here as their cases. For example, the court case might take longer, like a year or more. So they have to finish their court cases until they give their witnesses, they stay here. And others, maybe they came like they became pregnant. Because of they were raped and they came here, they have to deliver here and then their child have become a bit strong and they might get, need some trainings. So until they finish, they stayed here. And do they keep the babies? Uh, the babies of rape? Yeah, they keep them. But when they came first, they say they don't want the children. They don't. They want to give for adoptions and they don't want to see their kids. But after uh, a long process getting counselling sessions, after they gave birth, they want to keep their children. And we told them about uh, uh, our government policies, like adoption is not, now not advisable. If, you have, if they have to be for adoption, they have to be like raped with their family members, nuclear families like brother or father, something like that, they have to give for adoption. Government accepts this one especially when they raped. The other thing was the mother or the father is sick. So we have these policies. We try to show the consequence if they give for adoption or if they give for other people. Most of them, they keep the children, but at the very beginning, they want to give for adoptions. How safe is the safe house? Do their, their abusers try to find them? Uh, the safe house is safe as far as I see, because we don't have any signboard, no signboards, nobody know what is in this house. We try to keep them in safe ways. First also, this, when this woman came here, they don't come straight to this house. They came to the main office. So after they came to the main office, they came here, because we don't want to bring them here, because the perpetrator might follow them, or somebody might follow them. So we keep them there and then we brought them here to make it a safe way. Very rarely the perpetrator 
try to came here to find the way to the safe house after from the court case you know we manage it because we explain to them how to keep themselves if they go out with themselves and come back here they have to see their rounds we have a lot of kids here pregnant women and women and children too we were trying to explain every time so nobody followed them and it's safe we have a contact with policies we can easily call them and they come to us and it's safe safe safety shelter things everyone should be able to take for granted fear pain and the sharp sting of shame and humiliation is too often a reality so how does trauma and abuse affect the human psyche the human spirit the person hear more when i come back as we explore the definition of shelter and what it means to women living in the association for women's sanctuary and development in addis ababa On a recent visit to Ethiopia, I visited Aussad, the Association for Women's Sanctuary and Development in Addis Ababa. There are 84 women and 48 children. They've suffered a range of abuse from domestic violence, battery, abandonment and rape. Many are there waiting for their court cases to come up, finding shelter in this safe house. Others are seeking respite and support to help them rehabilitate. Talking with Sister Fanta Hawass, the senior counsellor and nurse, I asked her how the violence and abuse impacts the women emotionally and how it manifests itself. Emotionally, very aggressive. They fight sometimes. And sometimes they are depressed and they want to become alone. They might not be asleep and a lot of things they show. But after a few sessions, they become a bit settled, even if it comes and goes. And sometimes they thought the only person they were trauma themselves but after they came to this safe house they see a lot of people like them they each share their experiences they know a lot of people have these things so they are understand and become uh, settled after a while but still it's um, it's normal for them to become aggressive and problems they show to us and is it the same for the children what behaviors do they show the smaller one like 10 11 years old usually they are like uh, a bit quiet and some of them sometimes you know when they call to the office in the office they don't want to be a closed door because they were abused or they got traumatic inside the house they were frightened the darkness and very slowly day by day but then they become okay and they also like as a we did a counseling in group and individually we have two counselors here so we try to do as their ages like by discussion especially for the smaller one we do like toys we have a toys and also we have paper and colors they did drawing they slowly uh, rehabilitated from their things slowly the women are helped to recover with counseling sessions and workshops to help develop skills in getting a job there are women of all ages at the shelter and children too i asked sister fanta what were some of the worst cases she'd seen 
I have an experience. A four-year-old child was raped and came to our safe house. That was a really um, sad and difficult time because she's very, very small. With her mother or on her own? No, she came by herself. You know, she was raped by her relatives, those who raised her. She, her mother is like countryside and the father work as a guard and um, she was raped. She was telling somebody, they took her to the police station, the police brought her here. And he raped her? Her relatives. So she was a difficulty to be a witness to the courts because she's very young and they brought her here because they thought when she was in, their, in that house, they said to lie, you know, they tried to make her to lie for to the court, everything. They put her here just to settle her, and she's so cute, and you know, it was really sad for, for me, especially because I, uh, she's only four years old. She's that's and through all ages, it happens. This happens, and you know, there's different people who was raped by their relatives. Fathers, brother, male employer, female employer, stranger, different people. What happened to the four-year-old little girl? When she goes to the police, she explained everything. I don't know what's happened about the cases, but after she gives a witness, um, her relation came. It's different, from different side, and took her to raise her, I don't know, or to give her back to her mother, because her mother is from countryside, and the father doesn't want to give to her. They took her to the house. It must be very difficult for you and your team to have to let her go and not know how her life is going to be outside the house, the safe house. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is difficult and everything, yeah, but we know the safe house is only for temporarily. We try to follow where they will be. Usually some people doesn't want. So we have to accept it because it's only temporarily. We know that. We have a follow-up and they came every month to Safe House for a meeting. And it's open also our door to come for holidays like New Year, Christmas and Easter. So we meet them here. They came here and this is like their house and they are like a family. We, we see their changes so in good way and bad way. A house, a family. According to research coming out of the University of Nebraska, from the beginning of human life, people have grouped themselves into families to find emotional, physical and communal support. So how do the women fare when the time comes for them to leave the safe house? Sister Fanta says there are many women who leave and do well. She shares a story of one such woman. Yeah, we have many women. For example, there's a one girl, she was 16, I think, when she came here. She was seven months pregnant. She was a good student. She was raped by her father was pregnant when she came to us. She is very good and clever in her behaviour her educational background and everything. She was grade 8 at that time. And But after she gave birth, she, always she said she wanted to keep us her child. After, after she gave birth, she got to training. Her skill, we have skill training in the safe house. And when you say skill training, this is what? The skill training is to get a job. 
uh, what I'm, I'm talking now is like we have embroidery and sewing training and we have food preparation training, babysitting training and different types of training. In their life skill training, we have also parenting, self-defense training, business skill training, and different type of training also we have. Most of them got this training. And what I talked, this girl has training of embroidery and sewing, and she was employed in one of the factory. And after she left the house, she was with her baby and with her brother, and by herself, and living in this way. And she's in good condition. What happened to the father? Do you know? Did it go yeah. to court? He was when they brought her here. He was in the prison, and he got twenty something years, twenty one years, because there is a lot of evidence, and the child got uh, DNA tests and everything. So he was, he got, he ended up in jail. Anyways, there is another example also. You know, there is a, a girl who was sorry repeatedly with her brother. Uh, when she came here, she was she was drugged. She didn't talk. In every session, every counseling session, she's crying a lot, and you know, she was really really hurted. But she's good, you know, she's good, and she was uh, try to get herself rehabilitated by the help of counseling and by help of their friends here, everything here. You know, she thought she was like the only person who was raped by her brother repeatedly and she became uh, rehabilitated and then she was trained while she was outside like a hairdresser and we give her up small things here and we support her for um, to start her life uh, like some amount of money and she was rented she rented a house and get employed as a hairdresser and she has in good condition now and also she brought the owner of the hairdressing place to the safe house and to show and support and she brought some clothes also for her friends who live here and she's in good form now. She trained at Taekwondo, self-defense training. She was started here in the safe house and she kept up continuing while she was outside and she there are lots of people in good form and she's also in good form now. As I looked around, I saw basic human needs being seen to or cared for without any signs of comfort or luxury. An old sofa in the courtyard, bunk beds with meagre bedding and for many of the women, they arrive at the shelter in the clothes they are standing up in. So who's paying for the safe house and where is the support coming from? I spoke with founder of Aswad, Maria Munir Youssef. Donors, we have donors, UN. It's, it's, it's very hard to get donation for, especially for safe houses. Nobody cares for women, you know. It's not, for many donors, it's not their priority area. But still, uh, some donors, the Norwegian People's Aid uh, and UN agencies, UNFPA and UN Women, UN Women is supporting the Adama Safe House. UNFPA is supporting the Addis Ababa Safe House, the Norwegian Safe uh, People's Aid is supporting us a lot. The Comic uh, Relief House. And Comic Relief for the last three years. Comic Relief was supporting us, especially there is a UK-based Womankind. Uh, they are the ones who are supporting us in getting donors from Comic Relief and others and small grants. And uh, and we have small grants who are supporting us with the students here, Ethiopian aid, 
they are based in UK too. And we have donors, but you have to knock so many doors to get money. What the money is being used for is to run the safe house. So let's just go through that administration of what it's basic living, clothing, food, water, medical must be a big thing because you have to buy all the medical products and the girls are coming in with a variety of conditions that need help medically. And you have to train them, you know. Uh, since our criteria is women, poor women, women who don't have families, immediate supporters, so we cannot leave the women. You give them the rehabilitation service, but when they go out, they will face the same problem economically. So we are giving them skill trainings. Now, you know, when you start the work, we, do, we didn't think of skill training, but while uh, doing the job, we said, why not? Why not we give them skill training? Women are skilled. They go in food preparation, in housekeeping, in everything, babysitting. Now we have started to give them a bamboo, bamboo work and leather work. And women are trained in different skills, and we have seen results. They're able so to, when they leave, get a job and be able to earn their own money. Yes, we give them a living cost for a startup. We pay for three months' house rent, and we provide them with some household things. We'll find out more about life inside and out for the women who are victims of violence in the safe house run by the Association for Women's Sanctuary and Development. two three weeks and her mother is um, 14 years old one four she was raped by her aunt's husband Learning about what life is like for women who are victims of violence and all kinds of abuse behind the closed doors of a women's shelter, a safe house that is the Association for Women's Sanctuary and Development in Addis Ababa. Ethiopia is the most populous landlocked country in the world and the second most populated nation on the African continent. There seems uncertainty over the rates of abuse against women in Ethiopia. A 2013 government report said 50 to 60 percent of all women had experienced domestic violence. It found the underlying cause is the low level of status given to women in society, coupled with the dominant position of men. I was forbidden to speak directly to the women to protect their identities, but I saw them, woman to woman. And Sister Fantahawas, senior counsellor and nurse, showed me around and led me to a small room, which is the clinic. And there I met one of the nurses, one of four nurses who work on a shift basis, 24 hours a day. We have a small medicines here that they were prescribed from the government. The nurse, we have a four nurse here. We work two for 24 hours, one at night time, the other three at daytime. Because to take them to the health centers, we have to accompany because we don't know where and who are their perpetrators, so we have to, to be safe. So we f- took them to the health center. Or the children, the small children would need to be vaccinated yeah. and then they might have individual specific issues or 
conditions that they yeah. need to be treated for. Yeah, All yeah. The First of all, when the, the survivors arrive in the safe house, we are screening the survivors. If any communicable diseases, skin diseases, respiratory diseases, we are screening them. If they have it, we are isolated and treat uh, the, the, the cases. If they are not, we are cleaning all the, the dresses, the, their body, and we are screening a typhoid and typhus twice in a year. Uh, all the, the vaccination done by the health center. We just saw a baby that's just a couple of weeks old. Where would the mother have given birth here or in a clinic? Health center. The one who are very small one give birth in hospital because they are risk, high risk because of her age. So in the hospital, those who can manage it, they can give a birth in the health centers. So when a, a woman is here or a young girl is here and is pregnant, when she starts going into labour, you take her to the health centre or the hospital? In the beginning, if she started outside in the safe house, if she's starting antenatal care, uh, when she's arriving here, we are continuing the, the antenatal care here in the safe house, also in the health, health centre. Uh, when the, the she's uh, feeling the labours, we are taking her to the health centre or to the hospital also. So we are following all the activity uh, in the health centre or to the um, hospitals. Sometimes when they see their high-risk things, the health centers refer them to the hospital and we took them to the hospital. We didn't give any delivery here. Just if there's an emergency case or anything, we can manage it to do it. We have some sterile things and everything. And we have also a coach. We have a coach also. A couch to help the women give birth in an emergency. Screening and testing is crucial. The World Health Organization in 2013 estimated that 790,000 adults are living with HIV in Ethiopia. Of that number, women, 370,000, and children, 200,000. The shelter is made up of rooms in a square with a courtyard in the middle, so the living is both indoors and outdoors, within the walls providing safety. I was led to the dormitories, small rooms with bunk beds, and with 120 women and children, there are only 50 beds. In one room, there's a young woman lying under a cover. She looks uncomfortable. There's a plate of food beside her. And she gave birth yesterday. Hi, Salah. She has some stitches, that's why she has in pain. She's okay. How old is she? Salah, uh, from Twenty. She gave birth yesterday. Yeah. She gave birth at, yesterday. at the health centre. Yeah. The hospital. At the hospital. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a baby there. Yeah. She only came like two weeks before she came here, and she was already started her antenatal checkup in a Gandhi hospital. And when took her to Gandhi hospital, they referred her to another hospital, so she gave birth there. Yeah, her baby is here. He's a boy, and he's fine. He's cute and he's beautiful. Yeah, he is. Well done. Mm. Wow. Zacharias. Zacharias. She came out the next day after having the baby. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, like after eight hours. If they are okay, they discharge them because this is our mm. health center rules. If they are okay, yeah, if they are not, they will keep them there. Yeah. So you have another room here. We have 50 beds, but, but you have 84 people, babies, babies children, children but you only have 50 beds. Only have 50 beds, but we, we have a mattresses 
and this is also we have we have to put matters here where we are standing and also it's in the full. living room it's every space, every is space full. what we have we put a mattress do you have to turn people away uh, sometimes yes mm. uh, but until we pull everything all mattresses we just said okay oh, hi Hello. <laughs> Hi ladies. From the sleeping area we enter the classroom where girls of maybe 12, 13 and 14 years of age are at desks learning the alphabet and their language Amharic. Nearby at a little table drinking milk and eating biscuits are a group of toddlers and small children. They look happy, they look healthy. Sister Fanta says they're learning small things, I think small things but good things and she explains more about the learning. It's good for them to keep in touch with their education and to for their psychological support also when they are doing things, writing, reading and drawing things, it helps them a lot and they keep themselves clean. They're in good way. As we left the classroom, it dawned on me the small children were the offspring of the older ones in the room. There was so much to take in. I asked Sister Fanta about the sex education and family planning they provide at the shelter. In group counselling, we have different issues that we raise. Parenting style, about sex education, family planning. Also, sometimes they came up with different issues. What about HIV or type of contracepting or behaviour? We have a lot of different issues. And as the song says, Abet means yes. Yes to helping each other rise up out of the trauma. And when I come back, I speak to the shelter's founder about what their greatest needs are and the importance of educating men about the impact of violence against women. This is um, like sitting here, watching TVs and talking and discussing. And also they have their lunch and breakfast here. Open and wider for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the kids are here. We have a kitchen here. We have also a toilet and bathroom there. And as you see, they all wash their things here. It was nearly time for me to leave when two girls were brought in by the police. They were both 16, they'd been raped, and they're pregnant. They're standing with their heads down, they look bewildered and lost. She's only 16 years old. She was raped. She was traumatized. She doesn't think about her period. She doesn't know. Pregnant, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. She has, so maybe she was maid or maybe she was student. Maybe, you know, we don't know. And then when they think they are pregnant, they go out and they don't know where to go. And they were maybe the community told them to go to the police or to the woman affairs. And then the, the perpetrator was known in the house. They took them to the police station and they start to to follow their cases and to be settled here, like to get psychological support, health support. And then at the same time, the police was trying to investigate all the things and they might call us to say they need a age checking or they might need them witnesses because they don't have, maybe they don't have any place to stay because maybe they came from outside of Addis and it's difficult even if they are relation here. They don't want to have somebody raped, not raped especially. When they can pick up, it's another burden for the, some of the people because they might not have enough things for themselves. So 
They just arrived this morning. What will happen now over the next few days and weeks for them? Uh, they just arrived now, so we uh, give the, the, the bath shower, the, the body, and then we took them to the health center to start the antenatal care, maybe any other uh, diseases. So they bring also the ultrasound, then different uh, prescription to the police. So we are following these things. So the police also to calling us, also we are calling them how the process are going. Well, I wish them well. Gosh, it's awful. I know. It really is. I sat down with the founder of Aswad, Maria Munir Youssef, a lawyer who set up the shelter nine years ago. Having just seen the two girls arrive, I asked Maria what happens to the children born out of rape. Are they accepted within the community along with their mothers? Still, we haven't worked on this, but still, for those women who come to our safe houses, uh, these women, they say, uh, once they see the kids, they say, I want to take my kid. I want the kid to be with me. Uh, we had a girl, 14 years girl, raped by her father and had her baby. But she didn't want, even the court decided she, the, the, the kid can be given to adoption. She said no, because once he's my brother and he's my son, so I want to keep him. But still, morally, she lives outside of that community. Morally, in the community, what happens to the kid, what happens to the, the girl is, is terrible. But our counsellors have done a lot, counselling her again and again, you know. We have, it, it needs a lot of counselling, a lot of follow-up. You know, many of them who are pregnant especially have never seen a doctor, or not, not even a medical person. They have never, never seen. So we have to take them to the hospitals and treat them. Some had some problems, medical problems. Invest, we have to invest a lot of money on them in the hospitals. Some of the, our women, they needed a follow-up. And when they, when they take the cases to the, fam, to the courts, they need a DNA test, which is very, very, very expensive and which is not available here. Well, there are two or one, two agents who, who do the screening and it's very expensive. So because of lack of money, many can lose, you know. And the other thing is with the screening is, you know, how it's a little expensive and we cannot, our organization cannot afford and we are not doing any uh, screenings for them. But they, they need the screening. They don't have the... Uh, Opportunity. They don't have the money if they go out of the safe house to do that screening. What about the children and their needs health-wise? So babies, young children need vaccinations? Vaccinations are free here in the country. Uh, the policies changed and for the mothers even, pre- and postnatal natal care is free now. We used to pay a lot, now it's free. Policy has changed and for kids, the vaccination is free. What are the biggest needs for you? Where do you see the future? For me, as a founder and director of the organization, when I go back nine years ago, I was, you know, I didn't think that we would reach here, but my vision was to have a safe house, start it somewhere, have a safe house, one safe house, small safe house, and expand and expand. And then expand. I have to go to the regions. I have go, we have gone only to one region, Romia region in Adama. 
the need is very, very, very high and we have to expand and have some more and more safe houses. Lots of women and girls have been helped over the years, but what about the women who don't get help? The ones who are unaware or are left vulnerable living on the streets? What about the women who haven't been helped? The problem is so high, very, very high. But the service is very small, limited service. Even they, they may call from the police, women affairs, but because of the limited space, we will say sometimes, no, we have to say no. So many of our women are on the street, on the church compound, still being abused. I think the service is very limited. Many of them are still out there. Why is it? Uh, I mean, poverty brings out a lot of you know, challenging things for human beings to deal with. You know, people have got a hard life. They've got to deal with things on a day-to-day basis beyond what I can possibly imagine. And within that situation, people can do terrible things. But rape and abuse can happen on any economical scale across the globe, any nationality. So where does it come from and how can we prevent, when you're looking at the perpetrators, why do they do what they do and how can we prevent it? For me, I don't have a research for why, how, but still it's done. It has been, it has been done before and still going on, but still there is no age limit. Older men, young men, educated men, non-educated men, family members, even fathers, brothers, uncles, guardians, they all do it. I don't know why, but we have to have a sort of, you know, research and do some assessment on that. But still, it's being done on age limit, women's age limit, young ones, very young, as young as three years, four years, older women, 17, 18. It can happen to anybody, anytime, anywhere. People are acknowledging it, the fact that women are going to the police or family members in the community are are realising what's happened and they're going to the police to report the crimes because it is a crime, it's a crime against a human being, It's an, rape is an act of violence, clearly within the police it's acknowledged as a crime and acted upon when reported. Still in our country we have a very good, very nice constitution, very good laws and now before when we started these uh, activities even the police could ask if it's, it's a family matter. If a husband beats you, it's a family matter. No, it's, it's not the concern of the police. If a woman is raped, they will just say, it's your fault. Maybe you, you're dressed short, but you did, you did something wrong. But nowadays, we work with the police. We train the police. We train the service providers. And now we have seen good results. We have seen the change in the police stations. We work with all police stations in Addis and in Adama, and we have seen the result. Before, it was a secret. It's a family secret. If a girl is raped by her father, it's, they, don't, they don't report it to anyone. It's a secret. They blame the girl. Nowadays, even if the family doesn't report it, the neighbors will report it. The teachers will report the cases, and they, they, they will take it to the police now. The awareness creation done by many, many women organizations, even by the media, is bringing the cases out and out. Some will say, oh, the violence is becoming more and more, but I cannot say that because what we see is that the cases are coming out. More, more cases are being reported. Reported in police stations because the women know now their rights. 
The women are becoming more aware, but all important is the education of boys and men and understanding the impact of violence against women. And I asked Maria what they're doing to help raise awareness. Uh, we're doing in two, two parts. One is in schools. Schools, both boys and girls, especially the younger ones, they are the future generation. And the boys and the girls are equally trained about violence against women. And the other is with the community members and men. And we, we train them on violence against women so that they will condemn violence. If I speak on about violence to other men, they don't listen to me. Maybe they will listen half. If the men speak to them, they will listen 100%. That's what I believe in. We are using them as our ambassadors, you know, so that they could talk to the others. And the community lead, local, local religion and local leaders. They are very important people in our culture. If a community leader or a religious leader condemns about violence, and the community can listen because we're, in one way or another, our community is a religious person. Say it's Muslim, Christian, or anything, everybody has a religion, and we are working with them. Nowadays, what you see in Ethiopia are, especially these days, uh, religious leaders uh, came together, they are all together, and they are working on violence against women, and they are condemning, and they are there in front, you know. So that's how you should fight. We have been working on violence against women for the last 20 years. But, you know, it's very slow. But we have to use another force now. We have to change the strategy and working with men to fight violence against women. That's how we can overcome and see results. Change the lives of the women. If their life is changed, their children's life will be also changed, you know. If you give a skill training for a woman, the, the child situation, the child will get a good education, the child will get a good health service. And that child is a boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. So the boys are getting a better a life better too. A better life too, both, both. We are treating the mother, both the family, even the family, the community. If you train one woman, the whole community can change because she spreads the... If the women see, another woman sees that this woman's life is changed, she will be encouraged, you know, to report, come out, you know, I can, I can do that, you know. The I can spirit will develop in every woman, even the girls, the small girls, the kids. And that's how we can fight poverty, that's how we can fight violence happening to women, you know. If the women are empowered, life will change, everything will change. Nothing can stop you. To find out more about the Association for Women's Sanctuary and Development in Addis Ababa, you can check out the Dubai Today page for details at dubaii1038.com and take a look at the blog post. What I experienced that day in the shelter as a woman will stay with me forever. I leave you with the music from Ethiopia, Abed, which means yes, unity of women coming together helping each other.